Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We would encourage all parents uh, to do just that. Reach out to the teachers, principals, uh, school divisions, and uh, bring that relationship closer so that we can support our children through uh, their formative years and their educational years. Uh, Premier Scott Moe on this program a few weeks ago talking about the Saskatchewan policy that uh, requires teachers and schools to inform parents should children under the 16, under, under 16 years of age, uh, decide on a pronoun change, name change, and gender identification change. That's being challenged in Saskatchewan. It's also being challenged in New Brunswick, which is where the first policy, provincial policy, originated. This is... Uh, let me just mention this, of course. Police and Peace Officers National Memorial Day. And uh, with the shooting of the police officer, Constable RCMP, Rick O'Brien, on Friday in uh, British Columbia, we're going to be speaking to both police and uh, family of um, police officer who was shot and killed on this program today. A lot to cover. Premier Blaine Higgs joins us on the Roy Green Show, the Premier of New Brunswick. Premier, it's been a while. How are you? It has. Uh, good afternoon, Roy. I'm fine. Thanks. It's good to talk to you. Uh, can I just get a thought from you, first of all, if uh, possible, on uh, the Police and Peace Officers National Memorial Day? We're losing a lot of police officers in this country who die on, in the line of duty, and uh, this has to stop. It's tragic, Roy. There's no question about it. And, and you know, it puts even more importance into the officers that uh, kind of put their lives at risk for, for others every single day. Um, I, I think that, you know, we've we've collectively, uh, in previous, I know in previous meetings, we've, um, you know, we've said uh, stronger sentences as far as uh, um, how the rules are applied and, and, um, and there's, there's rules that are, are too lenient. But also, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's areas of, of crackdown on, on uh, certainly drug use and, and things that are causing society to break down in many ways, and, and I think collectively we have to find um, a better way, stronger way to listen and support our officers. Yeah, thank you, Premier. Let me uh, ask you about the policy that uh, you are the first Premier, the first provincial government that enacted a policy that requires schools, teachers, and school boards to contact parents should students uh, decide on a pronoun change and gender identification change. Why did you do that? Well, it's uh, you know it's interesting that this has become such a debate, but it's in today's society that parents shouldn't be informed or have some ability that would be a natural progression to keep parents informed um, in, in regards to raising their children. And and you know the continuity for raising children continues to be with parents, and and you can't have a policy that basically says all parents are unable to guide their children, and and that's kind of where the policy was. Um, and and imagine. The difficult position it puts um, uh, teachers in, educators in, when parents come into the class and and, and actual materials that uh, would be maybe 
be uh, in the classroom would be removed or changed because um, that parent was not aware of any any situation with their child. And, and so what we put forward is basically, yes, under 16, that the parents need to be involved, but there's a process. It isn't a matter of outing kids. It's a matter of a process using guidance counselors to, to work with the child, you know, understand the situation at home, and, and find a way that, that parents can be engaged in this because, as I said at the beginning, continuity is at home. Continuity is with parents or um, Hoover um, is the support group for that child in terms of their guardian. And, and that's what it, what it involves. It's quite amazing that that philosophy of the parent's role within a child's upbringing is balanced in such an aggressive way. You know... I've thought about this a lot, and I can't for the life of me understand why. Parents have become the enemy um, in some circles or some points of view. And I understand if kids are being maltreated at home, then there has to be intervention. But there are processes in place for that as well. But uh, it really is a huge issue in this country now. There were protests and counter-protests. Uh, in the past few days, as you know, Premier and Canadian school boards almost universally um, have decided that they're going to engage students' self-identification and gender uh, self-identification without um, consulting parents. It's almost universal across the country already. Well, I think that um, can give you an indication how far it's gone without parents really, really uh, being involved in understanding and I think what we've seen here, and that's what we, we, we saw in New Brunswick, you know, um, um, parent-teacher, um, our professional development day, where it was advertised what, what, um, what was on the agenda. And, I mean, that really set off some alarm bells of what are kids being taught? I mean, where's the curriculum and, and, and how does this policy work? Um, so that, that really brought it to attention in, in New Brunswick. And then, of course, it has spread across the country, but, but it's because parents are now becoming engaged and, and say, you know, I want to know. And we've also seen an unprecedented, um, you know, enrollment in private schools or, you know, um, school at home. So it's because our public system has decided its own agenda and parents are not um, part of that decision. I mean, I have talked to a lot of parents now, and we're getting a lot of, of uh, you know, people writing letters and, and saying, you know, we need to have parental involvement in our child's life. Um, we need to be involved in this. It, it's, it's just not acceptable that we're not. So, it, But it isn't acceptable that we, we turn this into, um, um, you know, an aggressive behavior on either side because having parents um, have the right to raise their kids and have the obligation because we're the first to hold them accountable if um, if there's a problem, you know, at home or if the child, uh, there's any sort of situation, they require all kinds of parental consent. But here, in one of the most important kind of decisions they might make in their future, uh, the parents are, are being excluded. And I think parents are just kind of getting, um, uh, let's say, attuned to the to what is what is happening. So the 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 um, education councils, you know, they could take whatever position they like, but at the end of the day. The, the the parents will uh, have shown they are now involved. They will be part of this discussion, and 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 we we will not um, obviously condone a council that it's going against the wishes of the parents, and and against the wishes of the government because that is not how society works. Yeah, your education councils in New Brunswick are investigating. I understand suing your government. 
Uh, so, so what's uh, what's the the status of that situation, and what is the rule right now in the classrooms and schools in New Brunswick? Well, currently, the, the, the rule is that, you know, it's not a matter of, of when, when a child goes to a, um, an educator and, and says, you know, I'd like to change my name and, and I, I'm considering, a, you know, that I'm, I want to pursue this avenue. Um, it's not a matter that the, we're asking the educator to, to call home, and that, that's not the case at all. We're not asking educators to out the child. We want to continue a safe space, but we want to have the, the child work with the school guidance counselor and to develop a plan where the, the, the parents can be brought into the mix. And, and yes, to your point earlier, there can be situations at home that you really cannot, um, cannot have the, the parents, you know, be find this out just, just uh, without appropriate counseling themselves. So, so I think the, the, the idea is that it's just uh, you can't leave this up to educators. You shouldn't, you shouldn't ignore parents. But we have a process we're putting in place to have the system work, not purposely hide it and make a plan to exclude parents, because that's what it did before. Yeah, other provinces are following your lead. Saskatchewan, I spoke with Premier Mo a number of times and his immediate past education minister. We have Ontario, Premier Ford. Uh, considering it, Manitoba similarly, so there's there's an appetite among provincial governments to follow what you're what you've decided to do. Let me ask you this: If the courts in New Brunswick do become involved, and the Education Council is investigating suing your government, if the courts do become involved, and if they rule against you, would you consider what Premier Mo is considering, and that is using the notwithstanding clause in the Charter? Yes, I would consider it, and I mean, obviously, we'd have to have a discussion within our caucus and. And cabinet, but I, I believe that, you know, it's important, it's not important to have a process here where parents play the key role in raising their kids, and, um, and it, we have to find a way to do that. And as long as the parents have taken the position and continue to do so, that they want this, this to be clear, uh, I don't think that any government has any choice but to say we need to find a way to allow parents to raise their kids. And you know we're I, I you know believe that parent that uh, families are the foundation of our society, and we we often talk or say things about you know our parents taking responsibility or do we have a, um, a delinquent parent that you know that has left a, a spouse in, in the lurch with kids and walked away, and we say we can't allow that we we must ensure that there's there's adequate support for children, and then on the other hand you have a policy like this that that does kind of just the opposite, so. So we um, we will continue to do what's right to support the family and to support parents in their role to raise kids, and obviously that that is uh, paramount for age 16 and under. Premier, when you were on this program about, I think, three or four years ago, just before Christmas, here's what you said to me. It makes you wonder if, our, if, if Canada is a nation or a notion. And that was after you'd attended your first Premier's conference with Mr. Trudeau in attendance. Are we a nation, or are you still concerned that we might just be considering ourselves a notion? I am very concerned still. It, you know, we, we have a policy here that the, the numbers just don't add up. The supply of energy under the current uh, philosophy um, of this um, ideology that the, the Prime Minister Trudeau is presenting, is, 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 it, just, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit our ability to, you know, to certainly provide electrical uh, batteries for, for automobiles. It doesn't fit the, the bill to supply the energy and the demands that are required. And, and so my argument has been, you know, if we just would put it together scientifically of what's available. I heard Premier Smith mention 
um, at the beginning of the show last week, she t- said about, you know, coming to the near of uh, the grid being shut down because of, uh, you know, not the ability to generate power. We had the same thing happen in February where we get um, optional power or backup power from, from Quebec or where regular bar. They shut us off. First time they'd ever actually shut us off. Fortunately, we had every piece of generating capability going, and um, and we got through it. It was a cold snap we had, and lasted about 48 hours. In that time, our wind, our people say, well, the wind's blowing, so really, you know, that's good. At least uh, the windmills are, are doing well. And, and on the contrary, when the wind was blowing and it was that cold, uh, blowing as hard as it was, the windmills actually turn away from the wind, and the, the power generation drops. The power generation went from like 160 megawatts down to less than 20 in in about um, six hours because they couldn't perform in that under those conditions. So then it it relied on our nuclear, our fossil fuels, and and to to kind of save the day. So then you look across the country or you look across into Europe and you say, what's the double standard here that we see that our our Canada is promoting? Well, we're going to be providing hydrogen. We're going to have clean energy. Um, And and, in Europe, meanwhile... Um, you know, are, are crying for energy. And when I was over there a few months ago, it, you know, they, we can't believe that an energy-rich country like Canada has not helped our situation a bit. So recently, the, the federal government announced, I think, $600 million or something over three years for support for the, for the Ukrainian government in, in um, you know, fighting against the Russian invasion. And, and certainly we all support that. But the double standard is that the European countries are buying Russian energy and financing that war, when we have the ability to supply energy and offset much of being supplied, or certainly a good part of it, and natural gas would bring that into play, and we have that ability in New Brunswick and across this country. And right, I'd make one point about an energy uh, company in France, uh, Total, whose focus worldwide is to is to commission as many LNG plants as possible to use to shut down coal plants. They say we can have the greatest impact on emission reductions by shutting down coal plants and, and, and converting them to natural gas. And here, right in New Brunswick in, or in Atlantic Canada, we have four coal plants, and supplied by natural gas could reduce our emissions by 50%. So we have the ability to do that as well as export to Europe. So on the one hand, we send money to, to Ukraine. On the other hand, we finance Russian um, military activities by by ensuring that they continue to have a market in, in other European countries. So put the facts together, and our policy just doesn't add up federally. No, and we sent the uh, Chancellor of Germany and the Prime Minister of Japan home when they personally came here, and they were looking for a deal for natural gas, like an LNG. And the Prime Minister insists there's no business case for this. Well, they wouldn't be here if they didn't believe there was... And I might argue, this is just my opinion, they would, uh, Germany and, and, and Japan, would probably be happy to underwrite the construction of the necessary infrastructure to deliver the LNG to their countries. There's no question about it. I mean, we could sign up. In fact, there were companies that were coming to us when I was there, wanted to make a long-term energy deal. We have an LNG plant uh, operated by Repsol in New Brunswick. That they were they were looking at converting to LNG export. It's an import facility today. Their gas supply was coming from either the Midwest or from uh, from Alberta, and the pipeline tariffs and the line is limited in size, but it was still big enough with some modifications to actually uh, put a planning commission about 300 million a day LNG would go to Europe. 
the 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 cost of that throughput for the the tolling fees on the pipeline were so great um, that uh, TCI Transcanada Energy TC had had the, the costs were so high that the business case did not work because TCE said, look, we need a guarantee on the last mile. Okay. And what that means is just what happens in Energy East, that the federal government comes in with a policy that shuts them down. Right. Getting through Quebec was another issue. Premier, but, but Quebec, were the line's already there, and they were willing to, to be part of that discussion. Premier the line Higgs, was already there, not necessary to build a new one. I thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Good to talk to You're you. You're very again. welcome. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.